0: Okay, tonight's sicha is from the book of Likutei Sikha volume 20, the Sicha of Lech Lecha, the first sicha. Today we're going to discuss something fascinating, which I'm sure the moment you read the narrative in the Chumash, you've had this question. Let's jump straight into it. Paragraph one, on the, on the verse that it says, that Avram told Sarah. Before they came down to Egypt, when the Egyptians see you and they will say, oh, that's his wife. So they will kill me and they'll keep you alive because they, they're not going to want to take a married woman. And if uh, there's two ways to be unmarried, <laughs> one way is divorce. The other way is that the uh, that the husband isn't no longer there. So they'll kill me, says Abraham, and they'll keep you alive. So please say you are my sister in order that it should good, be good for me. They should do good for me. and because of you, and my, I should be kept alive because of you. So the question is well known. How, I mean, this is a question that is quoted from the barbanel, the Spanish uh, doctor, right? The Alsheikh, Rabbi Moshe Alsheikh, the commentaries on Rashi, and so on. The, the footnote brings a lot of sources for the question, but I'm sure that you had the question without knowing uh, all those footnotes. The question is a simple one. How did Avraham put his dear wife, Sarah, into such a situation that the Egyptian should take her in order that he should become saved? That doesn't sound very forget about uh, righteous, but doesn't sound manly. doesn't something something doesn't click there. yeah. so the Mefarshim explained that Avram had not pro- violated a prohibition. In other words, there's another issue. And that is a prohibition. He's allowing her, a married woman, to be violated. He didn't, he didn't transgress. And the Zohar says that Avram was sure that the merit of Sarah will be uh, st- stand her in good stead. And they're not going to touch her. In other words, he was more confident. He was so confident that Sarah was a righteous person and nothing could harm her. It didn't come from her. his being callous about her. It came from his deep respect for her. However, it's absolutely not understandable. The fact that Avram says, let's do this so that ye tavli should be good for me because of you. That means that he's saying, say you're my sister, and I'm going to get gifts. How can you say, when you're talking about such a serious matter, putting Sarah's wife into a place of danger, whatever way you look at it, even if they don't touch her, still that's not where you want her to be you don't want her to be with the Egyptians um, you know we are talking now in a situation where we and it's important maybe that, that we have to remember it we have many Sarahs in captivity right now uh, so this is, this is Abraham willingly allowing his wife to be taken by the Egyptians so he's trying to save his life okay maybe that we can understand and he's sure she's going to be okay but How does it make sense to talk about money in this circumstance? That he's going to get gifts because of this? Say you're my sister so that I should have good things happen to me because of you? Gifts given to me because of you? That something something doesn't ring right. Paragraph 2. Zohar recognizes this question and says that the um, could it be that, Avram, that he is the one who loves and fears Hashem. He's one who's, sorry, he is fearing of sin. In other words, he stays away from sin. And he's a lover of Hashem. Could it be possible that Avram was able to say that about his wife? In order that good things should be done for me? That's why he's ready to give up his wife. And the czar answers that Abraham was not relying on his own merits. And he wasn't asking for anything on behalf of his own merits. He was relying on the merits of his wife. That he would benefit from her to also have abundance of money. He will have money from the other nations. Because the money that a person has, he... Achieves, he attains, a person rece- gets the money that they seem to achieve on their own right, but really it's in the merit of the wife. And the czar explains at length how an isha, isha Maskeles, a shakelis, a isha a, a intelligent woman, a, a wise woman, is something that brings to a person the merit of having everything good. And then the czar continues that Abraham relied on her merit, that they wouldn't be able to punish her, they wouldn't be able to do anything to her. And because of that, he was not at all worried when she would say, I am your sister. He knew it's all going to be good, and he knew that money comes because of the wife. This is also going to be a source of presence for him. Now, this seems even, I mean, we also have to understand this. This is czar. The main question of the czar is could Abraham Avinu, the God fearing Avram, sacrifice his wife for benefit of his own? How does he put Avram into danger? For, for monetary benefit for himself? And the czar doesn't seem to answer that. I mean, the czar says that he was sure that they won't be able to do anything, and that's why he wasn't scared if she'll say, I'm your sister. But okay, that's an answer. But why does the czar interject and say that he would? He's sure he was going to make money because of her. And it says that everybody, their money comes because of their wife. And then it says, oh, and by the way, he wasn't worried anything would happen because she's got a lot of merits. He relied on her. It's like first comes the money, and then nothing's going to happen to her. That something doesn't sound right. On the contrary, in the beginning, the czar seems to say that he didn't rely on himself. And he wasn't asking it on his own merit. He was asking it in Sarah's merit. But again, that, that seems to be unrelated to the question. Was Abraham ready to forfeit his wife on behalf of his own monetary benefits? Very, very intriguing. Paragraph three, the explanation. Seeing Sashem had told Avraham, leave your house, leave your land, and he said, "I will make you for a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great." What does it mean? I will bless you. Rashi said that means literally, bless you with money. So Avram understood. By him, it was. It, it, it was. He assumed simply that the fact that Hashem sent him to Egypt as soon as he had gotten to the land of Canaan. He arrives in Canaan, where Hashem brings him, and all of a sudden he has to leave. He understood there must be this must be part of the fulfillment of what Hashem has promised him. Hashem has promised him to also make him wealthy. So he said this must be Hashem's plan to make me wealthy. And since he saw now a way how by natural means this blessing of wealth could be fulfilled through his engagement with Egypt, Sarah says his sister. Then he's going to be the brother of the most wanted special woman in the kingdom. So that's why he said, say you're my sister. And that really did happen. He got gifts. He was given uh, uh, sheep, cattle, donkeys. And <clears throat> so and so, so. So he saw that this is Hashem's plan. Then we answer, but weren't you scared? He says, no, nah, I know that Sarah has so much marriage. Nothing's going to harm her. In other words, it's not that he's saying I'm going to get personal gifts on the side while I put my wife in danger. This whole, this whole uh, journey to Egypt is part of Hashem's plan. It's part. He only left his ancestral land because Hashem told him to leave. And Hashem said, I'm going to make you wealthy. He leaves his ancestral land. Hashem sends him from Canaan straight to Egypt. And he says, Oy, why is that? Why does he get sent to Egypt? He gets sent to Egypt because... Obviously, as he sees it now, because Hashem wants to fulfill the plan to make him wealthy. Aren't you scared, Avram? No, no, no. She has plenty of merits. I'm not scared. Now says the Rebbe, the same way it is, simply speaking, in, in dollars and cents, so it is also in the inner track of things. Through the lech lecha, through the journeying from his home... Avram, Avinu needed to come to an elevation in his spirituality. Shem wanted him to leave his current level. Lech lecha, leave your place and have an elevation. The elevation comes through refining and elevating the sparks of holiness in the world. And part of that elevation process also includes the intention of Hashem that he descend into Egypt in order to engage with those lowly spark and elevate them. Since mitzvahs, what is mitzvahs all about? Mitzvahs are about engaging in the sparks of holiness that are to be found in the mundane things of the world. So we take leather, we transform it, for example, into tefillin. That's why Avram told Sarah, say you are my sister, because then we'll be able to achieve what needs to be achieved in Egypt. In other words, when gifts are given to me, Just like mitzvahs engage in mundane and elevate them, when Abraham takes possession of mundane Egyptian materialism, they now become part of Abraham's mission, the mission of God. So he's not saying I need gifts because I need to be rich. He's saying Hashem wants me to be wealthy because he wants me to engage in in the mundane and elevate that. This is part of that process. And what's the question of the Zohar is, according to that, it's going to come out that Abraham will have the benefit, In other words, Abraham will have the elevation, but not Sarah. On the contrary, Sarah is going to be in captivity, as it was. She was taken to the house of Parah, which even though they couldn't touch her, but that's not a good thing. So now the question is, how can you say that Abraham should cause Sarah to have a descent? We understand the rationale of Abraham, but still this seems to be self-centered. Abraham's going to have an ascent he's going to become a great holy person elevating the sparks while Sarah is stuck in in the in the house of Egypt and in the footnote that habber brings a concept we don't tell somebody you do a sin so that your friend should have a merit it's an interesting uh, the, the context uh, is is not not so relevant here but we'll say i want to do a sin look if, if i do this sin the other person will be saved from the sin it's not so simple we don't. If a person did it, maybe that would, you know, that's another thing. But Torah doesn't instruct one person to do a sin per se, in, other, in order that the other person should be saved from a sin. We'll so Abraham is going to let Sarah be taken, so that he should have his. Even if once you've explained it to be a spiritual elevation, but still, what's with her? And even though that Abraham was clear that nothing's going to happen to her, sorry, that the that ultimately he's going to have an elevation. So, in other words, if you if you're with Avram and you say Hashem just Hashem wants me to get elevated here, the only way it seems is, to, is is that Sarah should get demoted. That's what Hashem wants. No, but Hashem has many ways He can do things. So if He would have Avram would have said, "No, I'm not letting Sarah go away. I'm protecting her." Don't you think you can rely on Hashem that the plan of making him rich can happen in another way? Yes. He doesn't need Sarah to to be demoted like that. And, Rabbi, uh, this, question. So, well, let's finish the paragraph, then we'll have two questions. And about this, the Zorah says, no. He knew that his wife has more merit than him. He said because of her, he's going to get the money. Because money comes in the merit of the wife. That's the way money is earned. And from this, we understand that that's the way it is also spiritually. In order that Abraham should be able to raise the sparks of Egypt, it's not enough that he goes down to Egypt. He can't rely on his own merit that he's going to be able to do that job of elevating Egypt. He's it's going to only happen in the merit of his wife, through her descent into the into Pharaoh's house. Then she's going to engage in the lowest level of sparks, and because of her, I'm going to get money, and she's going to and and there's going to be an elevation. Ah, since the 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 agenda is elevation through this wise and special woman Sarah, so we understand. That in her merit, she also will not get harmed. She's not going to get harmed. You're worried that I'm thinking about myself. Avram says that I'm going to get elevated and she's going to get demoted. Everything comes in her merit. She's not going to be harmed. So here we have, this is basically the the answer that the Rebbe leaves us with in terms of the understanding of psukim. Avraham Avinu is clear. It's not that he's being, uh, uh, God forbid, selfish or, or, or money hungry and saying, oh, I have an opportunity. Let my wife go down the tubes and let me get money. He's seeing this as being part of the fulfillment of Hashem's prophetic words. Leave your house and I'm going to make you wealthy. Wealthy physically and wealthy spiritually, you're going to engage in sparks. He sees this happening through Sarah being taken to the house of Pharaoh. He knows nothing's going to happen to Pharaoh. He also knows that the elevation happens in the merit of the wife. So he says it's natural that she's going to be taken there. She's going to be part of the descent, but because of her will come the great ascent, and nobody will be able to touch her. He had great, great faith in his wife, and uh, and, and that's why he was prepared to embark, and he, and he figured that this is what Hashem wants to happen. It's not callousness whatsoever. Um, yeah, we have a question. Uh, uh, go ahead. Open, yeah, you're asking, couldn't couldn't Abraham have had faith and just said no, and Hashem would have protected them? It's very interesting that the Ramban, Rashi doesn't take this approach. Nachmanides, it's brought here in the footnote, takes the approach that he should not have gone down to Egypt. Uh, Sorry, um, he should not have said that, he should not have told Sarah to say she's a sister. According to him, Avraham Avinu, um, because of his fear, maybe he would be killed, made a great error. He's of the opinion he should have just had faith and said, come what may. That's what Nachmanides says. Rashi learns that Avraham made a very good choice. The Zohar learns Avraham made a, a, a correct choice. So it depends how you look at it. But in the context of what we are learning, Rashi and the czar, that say that Abraham made a, a a righteous choice, how do we understand that? The way we understand that is he was so confident in her, and he knew that this is, he sensed that this is Hashem's plan, and he did become wealthy. And his wealth enabled him to go and spread the word of God like only a wealthy man can. Well, it's like this. You meet a woman, right? And if she's taken, you see her husband, if she's taken, okay? And you're like, I wish he wasn't, which means straight away you've got negative on the husband. You see a single lady, right? You immediately desire her. You see her brother, and you know you've got to show him respect, mm. and immediately you look at her brother in a positive way okay. as, a, as a venue to. Right, get in. that's exactly what so happened he there. that's the tone from day Good. one. Indeed, Derek, you had a question. What well, we're taking care yes. of? Yes, yes. Uh, so the the. When I was reading the Parsha, it doesn't seem to say in the Peshut level that God commanded Abraham to go down there or Abram. Uh, it says... Good, uh, good point. It we're, gonna, we're not going to get into that here right now, but you, you got a good point, And that's why there's different ways of looking at it. But the simple reading, the way Rashi learns, is that uh, that Abram should have been a little bit upset that Hashem's bring bringing him to Canaan and then sending him to Egypt. The test was that he understood and he accepted it with equanimity he understood Hashem wants him to go down to Egypt. That's the that's the pshat way. So it's from the it's from the oral tradition we know that it was Hashem has yeah. sent him there. basically. we know that's one of the ten tests, and he passed it. But again, Nachmanides Ramban is a different way of looking at it, as we as we saw. Paragraph four, like all the other things which the Torah tells us which happened to our forefathers, there's also there's a saying Maasey but What happened to our forefathers? Siman Labanim, is a signpost and a teaching for. The children of those fathers our forefathers are our forefathers because they're they're our ancestors so there's a teaching in the way we have to serve hashem and what is the descent we talk about the neshama coming down into the body generally especially the descent not just into a body but into a body that's in exile avraham and sarah are analogous to the levels of the neshama the body the soul and the body like the Zohar explains at great length that avraham represents the soul Sara represents the body. Um, just understand that. Very, very generally speaking, the one who runs the the, the 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 you know the details of the house is usually the woman. The one who's more engaged in a uh, at least traditionally more engaged in the uh, the love in the spiritual pursuits uh, would be the man. And um, and so we have the integration. The man and the woman make a good couple. They make a good team. One one is more in the, the, the in the spirituality. One is more in the um, in the making yeah. sure that life operates in a in a physical way. That's the way the Zohar looks at Neshama, Avram, Neshama, Neshama and Guf. In other words, in the service of Torah, Mitzvahs, when we do Torah, Mitzvahs, and we refine the sparks, there are two general modus operandi, two general ways. One is that the main work is happening on a soul level. It's just that it reflects also in the body. But really, it's a spirituality that one is involved in. Or, number two, the other option is that the main work that's being done, the service to Hashem, is being done in the body and with the body. The person is not at all separate or aesthetic from aesthetic or removed from the things of the world. On the contrary, he descends from his perch of spirituality and engages and encloses in deeds of mundane life. We know what it says about our world. That most of the things in this world are difficult and bad. The wicked people do have their moments of victory, and this is a, this is a tough world. It's not a world where holiness is the default or apparent. And in that world, the person observes Torah mitzvahs and refines the and elevates the holiness sparks of holiness which are there. And generally, this is like Chassidus explains. There's two ways. Of, there's there's two ways of serving Hashem. One is sister, and one is wife. What do we what do we mean? We talk about the love of a neshama to Hashem, the love of a soul to Hashem. There's two ways to describe that love. There's the ava mesuteris, the hidden love, which is there. Every Jew has it, just from the just by virtue of the fact that he has a godly soul. Now this love is a natural love and it's impossible that there should ever be an interruption or a breakage in that love but that's like the love of a brother and sister which is a natural love it's 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 basically because they share the same parents and there's no interruption that love that love doesn't need to be stimulated not like unlike the love of a man and a woman which can be Obstructed can be terminated through divorce. A, a brother and sister—I mean, we know today that many brothers and sisters don't get along, unfortunately. But if if one passes away halachically, one has to sit shiva. There, there is a, there is there is no two ways about it. It's very difficult sometimes. Estranged siblings, God forbid, and all of a sudden one passes away, and they go to the rabbi. They says, "You need to sit seven days of mourning." He says, well, "I didn't talk to the guy. I didn't want the guy. to not like it. Doesn't matter. That that connection, this the, the filial connection, cannot be taken away." If a husband and wife get divorced and one passes away, doesn't matter if, if they had 20 years of deep love. Once they're divorced, that's it. They're, they're not related to each other anymore. So that is, the, the, the hidden love, the, the, the constant love that a soul has to Hashem is like the love of a of a sister to a brother. On the other hand, because the constancy of that love is natural, there's no passion to that love. There's no yearning there's no thirst it's and there's also no total oneness, brother and sister are not need to remain separate right God forbid for not not incestuous and it's it's a it's a it's a constant love it's it's a natural love it's a filial love it's not a a tumultuous uh, uh, noisy and um, love with a thirst, however, the love that becomes aroused through the response. That's the love of the soul to Hashem. You can never get, it's always there. The love of the that becomes aroused through the work that the body and the animal soul do in this work, that is like the love of a husband and wife, of a man and woman. When there, even though that can be interrupted because it's not a filial love, it's a created love, it's a developed love, But it's particularly in that love that there's a thirst and a desire. And ultimately, when there's a unification, there becomes a total unification. And they become like one body. And this is... So we have the body and the soul. Right? The soul connects to Hashem. The constancy is there, but the, 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 the fiery passion isn't there. The body is not always connected to Hashem, but once you get... Once you get the, the the past, the barriers of the limitations of the physical being separated from Hashem, you connect that to Hashem. It's a it's a it's a passionate love, and this is the teaching that we have from the way Avram behaved himself. He says that the prnasa, the livelihood, comes in the merit of the wife, Sarah. In other words, where does the real elevation of the soul come from? Is when the body is sent down into Egypt, down into this world, to be enclosed in a world that's Egypt-like, even to the extent that it may be exiled in the house of Pharaoh himself, proverbially. And because the intention of this descent is, Hashem doesn't want, Hashem doesn't demote the soul and the body to be locked up in captivity. The intent is that there should be a redemption and there should be an ascent. So therefore, the ascent is through refining and engaging in the body and in the elements of the world that one engages in. So we understand from that. That nobody can punish it. Nobody can harm it. There's not going to be. The neshama is not going to be demoted ultimately. Nobody's going to be able to do anything bad to it. The body is also not going to be totally lost and immersed in negativity. On the contrary. there's going to What's going to happen here is like with Abraham and Sarah. In the end, Avraham got gifts, Sarah got elevated, everything worked out. The body and the soul, when they come to this joint mission into the world, the body may be sent to a place of danger, a place of darkness, but that's where the real elevation happens, because of the body. And the body won't lose out, don't worry. The body will make it out of there as well, just like Sarah made it out of Paro's house. Paragraph 5, we have to understand, everything in Teirah also is exact. Since we say here that the benefit the 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 gain that a person has of money and other things is what is because of the merit of his wife so how does how is it that how is it that the way that the story of Egypt actually played out is that she said I'm your he's my brother Avram said say you're my sister in other words, you understand the question? We just explained beautifully that the parallel, the parallel between. Well, let's go back to the simple thing. How does how does Abraham get all that money? Because he knows that money comes in the merit of the wife. But how can money come in the merit of the wife? And it comes in a way where she denies being his wife. He gets it because she's his wife. But the path there should also not be a path where she denies being his wife. It's a fake, but doesn't doesn't matter. But still, Torah should be exact. There's something funny here when the path to getting the merit of his wife goes through the facetious declaration that she's not his wife. And let's move it to the analogy of the body and the soul. Similarly, in the in the spiritual uh, service of the body and the soul, the main elevation of the of the of the soul comes not through the love of sister. It comes through the love that's called the wife love, which is serving Hashem of the body. So why is there why why is why is there a statement that she is my sister? In other words, that the Nashama that I'm I'm looking up to the love of the soul, which is like the love of a sister. There should be more emphasis on the wife love here. So we'll understand this by first understanding what the Zohar says, that Rabbi Laza, there's another piece of Zohar here. It says Rabbi Elazar was going to see his father. Who was Rabbi Elazar's father? Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai. He was going to see his father. And together with him was Rabbi Abba. Rabbi Abba said, let's say some words of Torah while we're going. So Belezas opened up and said about this Torah portion. Say that you are my sister. Isn't this a question? That's that's um and, and they discussed this whole topic about why why is he not scared of, of, of the danger to Sarah? That's it, perplexing. Perplexing. So um could it be that the Abraham was the prophet? He was a prophet, so he knew that uh, in advance that nothing would happen to her. Yeah, there, maybe there is that aspect too, possibly. Maybe so yes. the father, my father says, that Rebbe explains Rabbi Levi Yitzchak, the Rebbe's father explains in his notes to the Zayah. Why did he start the introduction to this topic about Avram and Sarah and uh, saying sister and so on with a story that seems to be unrelated? Who, I mean, it's just a story that Rabbi Elazar was walking to go see his father, and then he's Rabbi Abba suggested let's say Torah words. He says, because there's a correlation here. Rabbi, the Rabbi's father is explaining why the Zohar uses this story. Because Hashem, he says, because um, we're, we're going to be addressing, the Zohar is going to be addressing what Avraham said to Sarah when she was they were on the way to Egypt. Rabbi Elaza and Rabbi Abba alike are parallels of Avraham and Sarah. Yeah. Because Avraham and Sarah represent Abba, the ima, father and mother. Father and mother in the Sephiroth are Chokhmah and Bina, the splat, the the spark of, of 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 intellect and the development of intellect, which is father and mother. Father is the seed; the mother is the development. So Rabbi Elazar, who's Chachma, Rabbi Abba is Bina. They're going, and they're like Abraham and Sarah, who are mother and father. And now, just like Abraham said, "Say you are my sister." That's why Rabbi Elazar started. Who is Avram in this case? The parallel to Avram. He also started saying a word of Torah about this topic. We could say, says the Rebbe, that that his my father came to tell us something. But actually, we learned something else from this as well, because from the from the topic of the fact, the, the way the way the story goes with Rabbi Allah, and Rabbi Abba, which is mother and father, Chachma and Bina, will also understand more when we relate that back to avram and sarah why so let's look at spheros okay let's look at the at the uh, at the way that the um is at the way that the hierarchy of um the way the hierarchy of spheros, um, uh, um find their way make their way down from right bina. what is Chachma? So chachma is the first flash of idea. Bina is the development of the idea. The truth is that the greater, the greater power is in the flash. You know, if, if you don't have the concept, if you don't have the idea, if you don't have the inspiration, you don't have nothing. But where does the inspiration really grow? Where does that flash develop? It's when it's fleshed out. When that is fleshed out, and not just does it that have you developed the original flash, but the, actually that flash, that, that source of inspiration actually gets enhanced as well. It's not just that you're developing what already was, it's also um, um, eliciting something more. By, I mean, it seems to be that all that Bina is, is fleshing out in detail what you already had in an encapsulated initial flash of, of, of inspiration. It's not. Once you flesh it out, there's also an additional um, 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 elicitation of, of chokhmah, okay. of, of, of flesh. The reason for that is, just saying, because bina, that power of developing a thought is not without its own direct source to what we call the kaya hamaskil, the intellectual source that we have the wellspring of ideas. Where do your ideas come from? Will you ever run out of ideas? Technically, if you keep on thinking and meditating, you'll always getting you always getting new ideas. Where do they come from? Isn't there a certain limit of ideas that you have? No, there isn't. There's a Kaya hamaskil. There's a, a a potential within you for constantly for constantly having thoughts and ideas. Bina, the development of thought, has its own rooting in the Kaya hamaskil, in the source of all intellect. So, therefore, when you Flesh things out when you when you when you put things into categories and, and details. You're able to you're touching again directly also the source of all your wisdom and therefore you can there there's there's a, there's a deeper there, there's more wisdom that's coming down that pipeline as well. However, the fact that Bina that second level can even bring new inspiration to the first level to the flash, that's only if you kickstart the second level by allowing it to receive from the top level if the flash of inspiration feeds into the into the developmental part of your wisdom then you flesh it out and now you touch back and draw down new things but if you don't go to that second rung you're not going to be able to 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 tickle or to to touch that second level is not going to touch the source from where both levels come Let's hang on one second, similarly when we talk about man and woman, as it's explained at length, it says that w- women have more bina; they have more ability to flesh things out in terms of con- concepts and really this is the way it also is in the development of a child, the child needs the sperm, needs the, the drop from the man, but the entire development of that seed happens through the woman however, since um the the, the this, this 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 power that the woman has is something that's existential or essential and hidden it needs the fertilization that comes needs the the revelation to come by being the recipient of the seed of man it, it, once the seed of man is received by the woman it the woman flows uh, 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 springs into action and in her in her biological process, the child becomes developed. She, she really fleshes out the whole thing. But that only starts once there's the first seed, just like Chachma. Flash of inspiration has to come, and then you can flesh out the concept, and then it develops into something which, which is even bigger than the first inspiration. And through that, she's able to draw down something that's higher than both of them, and, th- and at that time, also, the man gets additional benefits. And there's a bracha that now incorporates them both, it says that Hashem created them, male and female, and Hashem blessed them, and He said, "Be fruitful and multiply." So you have this—you have this, this this symbiosis where He provides the seed, she provides, she fleshes it out, that then goes back and provides a child, which becomes His child as well. It's bringing a, 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 an overarching blessing to Him as well, coming from her, but she can't bring it to Him unless He brings her the starting the starting uh, pack. So now, paragraph 6, according to this, we'll also understand Rabbi Abba Rabbi Eliezer, uh, Rabbi Lazar, sorry, they're, they're traveling in the way. They're going in the path. Why are they going? Going means they're somehow descending into things of the world. Why do we say this? Because Rabbi Lazar is the son may I trouble you for the water? Rabbi Lazar is the son of Rabbi Shimon by Yochai. About Rabbi Shimon by Yochai, what does it say? Rabbi Shimba Yochai was fully engrossed. was fully engrossed in Torah. And Rabbi, his son Rabbi Elazer and Rabbi Abba was also, they were called Torah Tam Uman Torah was their full-time occupation. When they're going to, on a trip, even though they're going to see Rabbi Shimba Yochai, the great saint, but they're on a trip, that means that there's a certain level of interruption. They're leaving their usual studiousness and heading out on a trip and that's why rabbi Abba says hey we better talk torah now because if we want to achieve what we need to achieve in the world we need the power of torah you know it's by the fact that they're saying let's talk torah means they weren't talking there, there was a there was a, a slight interruption in their talking torah maybe they had to go get their passports maybe they had to go board it but, well, they were walking but what i'm saying is then they say let's talk torah Sim- similar to what we've said um, and this may be of interest to us because it's, the Rebbe says here in the square brackets we many times talked about the concept that the power that we get um, the, the, the the power that we have from above in refining the world especially somebody who's a Baal Esik, somebody who's a business person in other words his full time occupation is to be involved in the world and it's to make Hashem's world a dwelling place it's not just because he studies Torah before he starts to work. Because he prays and then he studies some Torah and then he goes out to, do, to engage in the world. But even while he's engaged in the world, you need to have the Torah's power. And he has to at that time also know I'm engaged in the world, but really the higher thing is Torah. And with that understanding of Torah, he's engaging in the world. In other words, it's not just sect sector sector sectoralized. There's Torah, there's work. No, even while he's working, there's the there's the the sanctity of the Torah is telling him yes, you have to be working to engage in the world and make it an elevated world. But that's because the Torah is saying that. To the extent that sometimes he may be able to s- s- steal away a little time from the business to learn. Unfortunately, too often we maybe steal away a little time from the learning to business or to check our emails or whatever it is. We steal away a little time that was otherwise allocated for other things and smuggle in some learning. And that's why Rabbi Abba tells Rabbi Elazar. Rabbi Elazar's name. Why is his name as Elazar? Elazar is Kael, Aleph Lamed El. God, Azar is a help to me. Moshe gives his son Elazar. Elokei Avi Bezri, the God of my father has been a help to me. So Elazar is the God of my father helping. And in this traveling together with Rabbi Akiva, he needs Hashem's help. And that's why he's saying, let's talk Torah. Even when we're traveling, because we're engaging in the world, we need Torah's power now. And through that, what becomes revealed is the advantage of this kind of work of refining the sparks that are in the worldly matters, which are symbolized by going in the path. You make from the world a dwelling place from Hashem. And we are, in other words, there is an advantage of transforming the world into a place for Hashem, going in the path, even over the study of Torah. But you can only know that by studying Torah. Torah has to tell you that right now, engage in something which is even more deeply connected to Hashem's ultimate plan, which is to elevate the world. Now we'll understand how this relates back to Avram and Sarah, the body and the soul. When a person travels, in other words when we go down into egypt when we the we're in the proverbial egypt in the exile the neshama and in general when, when the soul comes down into the body <clears throat> there needs to be a transmission there needs to be a statement that abraham the soul makes to sarah the body what is this transmission say you are my sister i want you sarah represents the body to understand to okay. feel the virtue of what it means to have the unbreakable love like a sister. I want the body to understand that the real light, the real power is really in the soul. And then once once she gets that, remember we said the man provides a seed, but that doesn't stop it there. Then her feminine power kicks in. Then what happens is we now see her advantage. We see her value in creating a new life. And in this case, Why? Because she has her own source in Hashem. In this case, the body serving Hashem, we now see how that itself has inherent value from Hashem, even higher in a way than the service of the neshama. In other words, the way to get there, the the way to get to the inherent advantage which is in the body is first recognizing the power of the soul. Otherwise, the the body is just a body. It's it's when when the body understands the soul's holiness and that impacts the body, then the body is able to uncover within itself its inherent holiness, which is actually even more powerful than the soul's holiness. It's like by virtue of the woman receiving the seed from the man, she now unpacks within herself an incredible biological wonder and miracle that now shows that she has... Hashem's endowed power even higher than the man, in a way. But it needs to start by her realizing that she's a recipient from the man. Without that, the whole thing doesn't start. So Abram has to tell, sorry, you're my sister. Remember, the love of, the unbroken love of the soul is powerful. When she was, understands that and relates to that, and she becomes one with that, now, that's what she got from him. Now she uncovers her own f- feminine wonder, which is even a higher elevation. And then... As we said, everything comes because of the merit of the woman. In another, to look at it from another angle, says the Rebbe, through the service of the neshama of the soul in the body, and the body and everything that it engages with in the world, which really the body is externally just like the body of non-Jews. There's no difference bodily speaking. We all all humans have the same uh, have the same body. The souls of a Jew is different than the soul of a non-Jew. The body is the same, and that's why. It's possible that the Egyptian uh, power, the the power of the negativity, uh, it could be that that it seems like the body could be taken into captivity and totally uh, and become totally immersed in Pharaoh's house. And it could be that it could be lost god forbid in that process we say no 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 the fact is that the that this body has an ashama which reflects within it the sister connection to Hashem, which can't be broken and through that there becomes in, uncovered within the body itself just like in sarah just like in the feminine wonder that becomes developed after the seed we now see in the in the in the in in, in the bodily and animalistic aspects of the Jew, that he has the power to be able to bring a holiness and a refinement into the world, and uncover the fact that Hashem said at the Mount of Sinai, you are my chosen people, and the chosenness needs to reflect itself on a bodily level, because the souls are different anyway. You don't choose the Jewish soul. It's a different kind of soul. The body is the same, and there Hashem says, I choose those Jews, even in terms, or or specifically in terms of their bodies, they are my chosen people. So all of this And will be revealed when Mashiach comes. And that time it says actually that the body will sustain the soul. Right now our soul sustains our body. But what we're talking about is that we uncover, what's going to be unleashed, is that the source of the feminine is even higher than the source of the masculine. And so the women will be in charge. When Mashiach comes, the women are going to be in charge, totally. It says that in the generation before Mashiach, the women are already a little bit in charge. They tell tell the men what to do. So that's why it's uh, more than ever before. I'm saying in the earlier generations, hundreds of years ago, there you know, was no issue. But as we get closer to Mashiach, the women get more in charge, more power. Because ultimately, what will be revealed is the source of the woman is higher than the source of the man. So, Avraham transmits to Sarah, say you're my sister. Sarah says, but then she becomes the one that because of her, everything gets developed, everything goes well. And Avraham has full trust that the merit of Sarah will, will make everything. We'll make everything work properly.